uh, a scripture that's been a tremendous blessing to me. I, I just don't know of any scripture in recent years and maybe in all the years since I've been saved, I don't know of a scripture that's meant more to me than what I'm going to bring before you tonight. I've been thinking in recent days about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean a little beyond what we talked to you about uh, several months, in fact, two or three, maybe uh, years ago, maybe a little longer. We brought a series of messages here on the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, showing from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is a person. Just like the Lord Jesus is a person, and God the Father is a person, a personal God. But we did not dwell on some things uh, in detail that are very blessed in the Scriptures. Now, in the book of Romans, there are four different works of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the book of Romans alone. <clears throat> Many works of the Spirit are mentioned in the New Testament. But for the moment, I'm talking about the book of Romans alone. In the book of Romans, you have the witness of the Spirit. In chapter 8 and verse 12. In the book of Romans, you have the leadership of the Spirit. Chapter 8 and verse 14. In the book of Romans, you have something that I have never heard a message on in my life. And I've never preached a message on, and that's what the Scripture calls the love of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit loves like Jesus loves, loves like the Father loves. I've never heard a message on the love of the Holy Spirit, as is mentioned in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. Now, there's yet a fourth great work and ministry of the Holy Spirit that's been very precious to me in recent days, and I, I want just somehow or another to get this over to you tonight. I could wish that you'd have the same experience that I've had for a good many months, maybe for a year or two. The Lord had just led me over and over and over again to come to two verses of Scripture about a ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. And God has blessed it in my life. I can testify to you tonight that since the Lord has led my heart to these verses, I have had because of these verses some very wonderful and definite answers to prayer. And I trust the Lord will use them in the same way in your life. Now, it's not an easy thing for me to do. I really come tonight with fear and trembling, and God knows that's true, because it's such a tremendous matter. I feel so inadequate to talk to you unless the Lord helps me on what I want to talk to you about tonight. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. By the way, the Holy Spirit's mentioned in this chapter 19 times. 19 times. In this chapter, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Now, I know that. You can know it, too, because in the footnotes, down at the bottom of the page, footnotes tells you that. But I know it for a different reason. 
I know it because numerous times I've gone through this chapter and made note of every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And he's mentioned 19 times in this chapter. Now the 8th chapter of the book of Romans has one great subject. You'll be interested in it. If you are not interested in it, then I would suspicion your experience with the Lord. The one great subject that the 8th chapter of the book of Romans is dealing with is the matter of assurance. And when you read the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, you remember God is trying to assure you that you are saved if you have the Lord Jesus as your Savior and that you're saved forever and that there's nothing in the heavens or on the earth or under the earth that can ever separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This is a great chapter on the subject of assurance. All the whole chapter is to assure you that if you're saved tonight, you'll be saved a thousand years from tonight, and you're saved for all eternity. It's a great chapter on assurance. Now let's begin reading verse 18, and you just pray, please, I'm, I'm just begging you to pray that the Lord will take these, this scripture and use it and bless it to your heart. It is so tremendously important. Uh, I might mention before you even read the scripture. You know, Satan has attacked all Christians and all churches anywhere in the world. And Satan attacks a, a Christian and churches in different ways. And I'll not enumerate those ways. It appears to me that Satan has attacked this church in recent months in the matter of physical illness. I know all things work together for good, but some of our people whom we love and who have such an important part in the work of God, uh, numerous ones in this church family, have been stricken and smitten with serious illnesses in recent months. I do not know that it's purely an attack to the devil, but I know Satan knows every way in the world to come at a church and to come at a Christian and to come at me and you. But I know something else tonight. I know there's a remedy for it. And I'm talking about the matter of prayer. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I want us to see something tonight I believe will help us in all these things that we experience as we go through our life on this earth. Now verse 18 of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
Now I want you to notice that beginning here in the next uh, five or six verses or so that I shall read. You find the word groan three times used by three, coming from three different sources. The word groan or groaneth is used three times. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. You see, that's something that hasn't happened to you yet. You haven't experienced the redemption of the body. You're saved, of course, saved eternally, completely saved. As Dr. Hudson said, someone said, really saved. You are really saved, but you've not yet experienced the redemption of the body. So this verse says, uh, waiting for the redemption of the body. For we're saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not. Then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now let me reread the two verses which are our text tonight. And if I had a subject tonight, it would be this. The intercession of the Holy Spirit. You say now, preacher, that's too far-fetched and, and um, that's, uh, that's beyond me. Uh, I, I don't want to think about it. No. I want to encourage you tonight that the Lord has something for you here. If you're born again, child of God, the Lord has something for you in these verses, which is one of the most precious things I've ever found in the Bible. I want to read verses 26 and 27 again. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings. Here's the third time the word is used. With groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I would like to remind you tonight that you have an advocate in heaven before I deal with an advocate that you have on earth. This Bible plainly teaches that right now, this very moment, while you're sitting in this church, you're represented at the throne of God in heaven in glory tonight. In Second John chapter 2, we read, My little children, 
These things write I unto you, that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate, an intercessor, even the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have an intercessor at the throne tonight. Now when I think of that, that subject, that great subject, that great truth, that yonder at the throne of God in heaven tonight, there is one who represents Tom Malone. When I think of that great truth, it's very difficult for me to confine my remarks about that great truth. You see, for one thing, when God the Father looks upon you and I tonight as saved people, He sees us in Jesus Christ. And you have tonight what Bible students call, you have a perfect standing in the eyes of the Lord. For when God looked upon you tonight, through His Son at the throne, He sees you robed in the righteousness of Christ and sees you in perfect standing with the Father. That's a wonderful thing. Now you stay to something else. I'm talking about your standing with the Father. You have an advocate at the throne in heaven tonight. But you know the thing many people do not think about is that you have an advocate just like the advocate at the throne. You have an advocate or an intercessor right down here on this earth who indwells your body, even the Holy Spirit of God. Now the scripture <clears throat> I read tonight, and please just think and pray with me for a few minutes. The scripture I read tonight started out with this word, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now if you'd get a letter from somebody and it'd say, Dear Tom, likewise I plan to come to see you on September the 3rd. You'd look at that letter and you'd say, What in the world did anyone start off a letter saying, Likewise, I'm coming to see you on September the 3rd. They must be a little bit out of the gourd to start a letter like that. But you know, in the Bible, God never makes a mistake. God never misuses a word. God never left out a word that ought to be in the Bible. God never put a word in the Bible that ought not to be in it. And when you find any word in the Bible, I think the word and is found several thousand times. When you find any word in the Bible, it means something. Now this passage of Scripture starts off with, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. You see what God is doing? He's pointing us back to something and connecting this great truth to something He's already talked about. He's already been talking in this chapter on the subject of assurance. He is talking about our hope. He's talking about the redemption of our bodies. And like I've said to you folks here in this church many, many times, when you got saved, nothing happened to your flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you got saved, you were still left 
with an old fleshly body. But thank God he encourages us about it. He tells us one day we're going to experience what the Bible calls the redemption of the body. That is, even the body, when the Lord comes, the body is going to be saved. We'll have a perfect body. It'll not be subject to anything adverse. It'll not be subject to fatigue. It'll not be subject to infirmities. It'll not be subject to disease. There'll be nothing wrong with it, for we shall see him as he is and be made like him. The Bible says, the redemption of the body. Now the Lord's talked about that. And he said, take hope. Take hope someday. You're going to have a perfect body. Like I heard a preacher say, he'd like to put a sign on him. And on that sign say, still under construction. Because that would be true of every Christian. You're still under construction. Oh, saved, saved forever. Just as saved in a sense as you'll ever be, but you're still under construction. The Lord is still dealing with you, still working with you. You're still under construction, and someday you're going to be just like Christ. I heard another person say one time, he'd like to put a, a, some writing on himself and have it read like this. Don't criticize me as I am, for God is still working with me. And that would be appropriate for every Christian in this room tonight. God is still working with you. And one day, uh, this, this chapter teaches us, one day we're going to have the redemption of the body. And God says, take hope while you live. In this fleshly body, take hope, for one day you'll have a perfect body, a body like the spiritual, real body of our Lord. But now notice he says, likewise. He said, I've got something else for you. Not only take hope that one day you're going to have a new body. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. I'm told the word is really not Plural, but singular. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not how we should pray as we ought. Now, notice something. You know, there's some people in the Bible that didn't know how to pray. Or you say, yeah, some old backslidden Christian or somebody that didn't live close to the Lord. No, you're absolutely mistaken. There are some of the greatest people that you'll ever read of on the pages of God's Holy Word who really didn't know how to pray. Oh, they prayed and got answers to their prayers, but they didn't always know what to pray. Like this verse says, The Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And some of the greatest people in the Bible didn't know just exactly what to ask God for. Let me give you an illustration. You take in the Old Testament. Now, there's no greater man ever lived than Moses. 
I mean Moses walked with God and, and went into the presence of God until his face shined. Moses was so close to God as a man could ever possibly be. But one day Moses prayed, and I'm going to take the liberty tonight to read his prayer and show you he didn't know what to ask God for in his prayer. In, in this prayer, Moses said, And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, Thou hast begun to show Thy servant Thy greatness and Thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven and in earth that can do according to Thy works and according to Thy might? I pray Thee. Now listen. Moses, this great man, is praying, but he doesn't know what to pray for. He said, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. He prayed that prayer. This godly spiritual man upon whose face the glory of God came said, Oh Lord, I pray thee, let me see the land of milk and honey. Here's God's response. But the Lord was wroth with him, with me for your sakes, would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Then God went on and told Moses, You get up into Mount Pisgah, and there you're going to die. No man will ever know where you're buried. The angels of God buried him. But Moses said, I pray thee, Lord, let me see the land of milk and honey. Let me go over into the land of Jordan. God said, you're not going over. Not only that, don't you pray that prayer anymore. I've heard enough. Let it suffice thee. Pray no more about going into, into the land of Canaan across the Jordan because your prayer is not going to be answered. What I'm saying to you, there was a man who lived in this infirm, enfeebled body like you do tonight, who didn't know how to pray, and one of the greatest men of God that ever lived. Let me give you another illustration. And you know, this is, this is to me, is a tremendous lesson. You know, one day the Bible says Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I do not know what it was. I do not know that God wants us to know what it was. Some folks believe it was very, very poor eyesight. Because he said on one occasion, you see how large a hand I've written unto you, like he could not see well enough to write small. And on another occasion he said, I know you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. See, Paul was beaten so many times. Why, well, he stoned one time. And, and when they stoned people in Bible times, they stoned them until there'd be a whole pile of stones on them. They'd break their bones and crack their heads and, and just, they'd uh, destroy them and they'd break them and they'd bleed. And Paul one time at Lystra was stoned and left for dead. They stoned him and they were satisfied. We've killed him. And you can't go through that kind of a beating and look the same. He said several times, 
I was beaten with rods, uh, uh, 39 stripes with a Roman cat of nine tails. That's what Jesus was scourged with. He was slapped and scoffed. He was beaten and put in jail. Many times for hours, he said he lay in the deep of shipwreck and storm at sea. And uh, nobody knows what this thorn in the flesh was. Paul said it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And notice what he did. He said, I besought the Lord thrice. I came on three tremendous occasions of prayer. And I said, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. Take it away. And you know, Paul had power with God. Paul had answers to prayers. Paul was the greatest Christian that ever lived. Paul three times said, I besought the Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. But one day the Lord said to him, I'm not going to remove that thorn from your flesh. You're not going to get your prayer answered. You know not how to pray as you ought. Just like Moses didn't know exactly what to pray for, Paul did not know exactly how to pinpoint his prayers and exactly what to pray for. But God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. I'll not remove the thorn, but it'll give you grace to bear it. Paul said, That's good, uh, good enough for me. Therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And God said unto him, My grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and your prayer is not going to be answered. And as long as you live, you'll have this thorn in the flesh because you don't know how to pray as you ought, and I'm not going to answer this prayer. Now notice something. The verses that I want God to put on our hearts and make a blessing to us tonight says, Likewise also the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, I, know, I want you to notice three expressions. And I, I think that's the way the Lord's led me, trying to get this truth over to you. I want you to notice, first of all, the word infirmity. He helpeth our infirmity. Our infirmity. Well, some folks say it says infirmities, but you take all the infirmities you might have or I might have, put them all together, and God looks upon us as an infirm people, helpeth our infirmity, singular. Because every one of us live in an infirm body. You know, that's the dynamic nature. The Bible says, as in Adam, all die. You see, you have a body that's under the curse. That's why the Bible says we groan for that day when the body will be redeemed. There's something about that Adamic nature. It's a common nature. Nobody can say, well, you have the Adamic nature, and I don't have it. Everybody has it. Everybody, as an Adam, all die. Everybody has infirmity. I don't know what it might mean in your particular case, but God says every one of us live because of this body in a state of infirmity. Weakness, infirmity. There's something about it, it's common. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. 
Romans 3, 10, and 12. Not only that, it's unchangeable. This infirmity, this flesh is absolutely unchangeable. You say, but what about the new birth? Doesn't change it. Nothing will ever change it except the redemption of the body at the coming of the Lord. You can't change flesh. You can educate it and you have educated flesh. You can dress it up and you have dressed up flesh. You can put perfume on it and you have sweet smelling flesh. But it's still flesh. And Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That is, that's what it is. And you can't change it until the Lord comes and gives you a new body. That's what this infirmity is. It's not only unchangeable, it needs help. It's limited. There's some things you can't do. There are some things I don't know how to do. And the Bible says that prayer is one of them wherein in many instances we don't even know what to ask the Lord for. We don't know how to pinpoint a prayer and say, Now, Heavenly Father, this is exactly what I need. But you see, there's a wonderful word here. The, the Spirit Himself helpeth our infirmity. You know, when Jesus went to home Mary and Martha, same word is used. Jesus went to home Mary and Martha. Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. The Lord complimented her very highly. Martha loved Jesus too. Don't ever think Martha uh, didn't love the Lord. You know what we... Uh, don't ever say, well, I, I want to be like Martha... And I never want to be like Mary. Don't say that. Because if everybody did all the time what Martha did, there'd never be a soul saved. Never be any service done. See, Martha did a wonderful thing everybody ought to do. She sat at his feet and heard his word. Jesus said she's chosen that good part which shall never be taken away from her. A wonderful thing. But there was another woman, a sister in that home, she said, I love Jesus. I'm so happy Jesus in my home. And Lazarus in that home, the brother of these two, two, two ladies, really loved the Lord. And Martha said, I love Jesus. I'm so honored Jesus is at my home. And I'm going to cook these, cook this meat and this bread and these things. And I'm going to set a table for my Lord and my Savior. And I want his, his bodily needs to be met. And there's something good about Martha. But Martha said to Jesus, as she watched her sister sit and sit and sit and listen and listen and listen, she said, bid my sister to help me. I need help. That's what she said. And this Bible teaches that when a Christian comes to the throne of grace to pray, he needs a help that's provided in the Word of God. And that wonderful help, same word Martha used, that wonderful help is the inward presence of the Holy Spirit. And not only His inward presence, but His intercession while you pray. Now listen, I don't know about you. We used to have a quartet here. Fellow in that quartet named George Younce. If anything really, really blessed him, George said, I declare that this knocks my hat in the creek. And I want to tell you, here's something. 
knocks my hat in the creek. And that is that when I come to pray, there's one right here, right now, inside, who groans and intercedes with me in prayer. And he thinks that sometimes he must say, Father, that's not what he needs. And he's in infirmity. And uh, by the way, don't you think now all you old folks are in infirmity. That's not what the Bible says. You 18-year-old Christian, you have the same infirmity everybody has. And the Holy Spirit intercedes our case. That's the second. The first word was infirmity. The second is intercession. And now listen, who knows you better than he does? No one. Your wife does not know you as well. Your husband does not know you as well as he knows you. You know, Jesus said, I will send you another comforter. And he will abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because the world does not, seeth him not, neither knows him. But you know him because he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit made your body his temple. And he's going to live there. Well, how long? Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter and he will abide with you forever. I believe if the Lord tarries, and some of us in this room go the way of all the earth, I believe in that old, that old dead little old tent in which my spirit and soul has lived, the Holy Spirit will keep watch over it until the Lord comes. Because Jesus said, He will abide with you forever. He will never, never leave a child of God. There's just no way, dear friend, uh, that you're going to ever lose your soul if you've been born again. But the wonderful thing about this Holy Spirit, Jesus said, He shall be in you. And He knows us better. There's no one knows you like the Holy Spirit. You see, 24 hours a day, He knows every thought that you think. 24 hours a day, He hears every word you utter. 24 hours a day, he knows every motive you have. No one knows you like the Holy Spirit knows you. No one. Dearest friend, closest relative, husband or wife, mother or father, no one knows you like the Holy Spirit does. And the Bible says, this is a blessed thing to me, that he maketh intercession for us with groanings, Third time the word's used in this passage. With groanings which cannot be uttered. Say, preacher, what does that mean? Groanings which cannot be uttered. It means groanings which cannot be verbalized. Put into words. And it's this wonderful picture. I want you to see it. When you kneel to pray as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is laboring in intercession for you as you pray. And it's with such travail of soul 
But the Holy Spirit intercedes. That is, his groanings cannot be put into words. Oh, isn't that wonderful? But when you pray, the Holy Spirit groans. Now, I mentioned already, all of creation's groaning. Every, every rose where the thorn is growing, for the day when there be no thorns. The whole world is one great sigh, waiting for the day when there be a new heaven and a new earth. The Christian longs for the day when he'll have a new body. Falls on his face and he fails and he sins and he comes short and he grieves the Lord. But he gets up and he says, I, I long for the day when I won't fall anymore and won't grieve anymore and won't come short anymore and won't grieve God anymore because I'll be like the Lord. Creation's groaning. The Christian that understands one day he's going to have a new body groans for that day, the Bible says. But it says right now the Holy Spirit groans with us in prayer. Uh, with groanings that cannot be uttered or verbalized. Can't even put in words. You know, I, know, I think I know what this means. I've seen people at pain. And I've heard them say, Oh! And I've heard them say, Oh Lord! And I've heard people say, Oh no! It's a groan. It's not a series of words nor paragraph. It's an inward groaning and sighing. And this Holy Bible says, The Holy Spirit groans when I pray with the groanings which cannot be put in the words. And the same word is used when Paul said, he's speaking of himself, but he's doing it humbly. He said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. That says a lot to me. When he stoned him at Lystria and, and killed him, as 14 years went by before we ever mentioned it. Now I'll tell you, as soon as I got up, I'd have started talking about it. But Paul was so humble. As soon as I got up, I'd have said, ah, they thought they'd kill me. They had. But look at me. Look what the Lord's done for me. He never mentioned it, never referred to it for 14 years. And when he did, he never used his own name. And let me tell you, you know, humility is a wonderful virtue in a Christian. And don't you ever forget it. Be humble enough to, to take and be humble enough to give God the glory. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. Caught up in the paradise, that's the third heaven, and heard words which are not lawful to utter. I can't put them in, can't verbalize them. Can't put them in words so you'll understand. I can't describe to you heaven. And that's what it's saying here. The Holy Spirit groans when you pray. And I don't know about you, but when I come under the knowledge and the influence of this truth, I just say, oh, Holy Spirit, pray with me. For I know not how to pray as I ought, but you know. And sometime when I come to the Father and I say, Father, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is the direction I'd like to go. The Holy Spirit shifts that prayer and says, Father, that's not what he really needs. And I'm groaning and interceding. And I'll tell you exactly what he needs. Oh, hallelujah. What a ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God for your life. You notice the next verse. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the complete, detailed will of God for your life. And when you pray, He will allow nothing to interfere with the will, the planned will of God for your life. And so He groans and intercedes. And He says, Father, not that, but this. He's in, he's in infirmity. He, he doesn't know any better. But I know. The Holy Spirit says, I know this is what he means. This is what he needs. You say to me tonight, well, preacher, if the Holy Spirit knows the will of God for me, I would certainly love to know. I believe the Bible tells you how you can know. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or determine or know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I just praise the Lord tonight. That when I get down to pray, and there's some things, you know, there's no doubt when I pray. No doubt. There can't be any doubt because the Word verifies my prayer. There's some things, there's no doubt but what it's right. And it's the thing God wants to do. I just thank God to get down to pray. I have a prayer partner. Oh, the Holy Spirit is my prayer partner and intercedes with me every time I pray. Lord's given me a sweet experience with these verses. And I found myself the last or a few years, I guess. Just uh, turning in the Bible to Romans 8, 26, 27. Reading it, reading it. devil tried to keep me from memorizing it. And I, I, I'm not boasting, but I can do pretty good at memorizing a verse of Scripture. You quote it out loud four times, and it's usually, you got it. But you know, the devil didn't want me to memorize this. God didn't want me to meditate on it when I didn't have my Bible open. Sometimes I'd open my Bible and read it and claim it and, and enjoy it and thank God for it and close my Bible and start thinking of it. And old Satan would attack me on it and I'd just have to open the Bible, turn to it, read it again. And I want to tell you, the, the old devil never wants you to come under the domination of the truth that there's an intercessor in your body tonight. That when you kneel to pray, he says, Father, I'm going to sift this prayer until the right thing comes to the throne of grace. For I know him, and I know your will for him, and I'm going to intercede for him when he prays. Shall we pray? Father, I know tonight how much I need this blessed, not just this blessed truth, but this blessed experience. I prayed with many people in my life. I remember the young man I knew many years ago would go out under the trees at night and pray. 
We prayed with our loved ones. We prayed with our husbands and our wives, our loved ones and our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Father, I've never experienced anything like praying with the Holy Spirit as a partner. I've never experienced anything so wonderful, and I thank you for it. Now, Lord, bless this truth to the hearts of these people. And I don't know whether I'm praying just right or not, but I'm trying. I hope you'll make it mean as much to each of them as it's meant to me. And Lord, I would ask you tonight that they might see prayers answered as thou hast permitted me to do since I've laid hold on this wonderful truth and I've asked the Holy Spirit to join me and to intercede and to groan and travail for me when I came to the altar of prayer. Lord, make it plain, simple, and clear to our hearts. Help us to believe it, receive it, experience it, live it, and enjoy it until the Lord comes. I pray in your wonderful name. Amen.